Hey, remember a couple of episodes back, I chatted with an award-winning financial planner who used to be an aquatic ecologist, then a policeman? Well, that career progression has just been topped by today's guest, who's gone from earning six figures as an aerospace engineer at Boeing to being a very successful Uber driver. Oh, and he's earning more than ever. Well, I say, welcome to a small business marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim Bowie. And welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Australia's number one marketing show. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You forever, more importantly, you're a motivated business owner and you are ready to crank out some great marketing in order to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. And what we do around here is shine a bright light on this very dark art they call marketing. So you've come to the right place if you find yourself a little bit in the dark. Hey, big show today. Got the rideshare guy. That's what he calls himself. His name is Harry Campbell. He is an Uber driver who now helps other Uber drivers build solid rideshare businesses. But very recently, he was an aeronautical engineer at Boeing. Yeah. More on Harry shortly. Got a book update. Got some big news about my speaking business. I just got a wonderful gig that I'm really excited by, excited to do, excited to tell you. Uh, A reminder later in the show about how you can get some exposure on this show for free for your business. You need to take it up. And a motivational quote to keep you on your toes. Hey, today's show, though, is lovingly brought to you by NetRegistry. They care about one thing, right? Getting your marketing sorted online. Everything, domain names, hosting, web design, getting your website found. Do head over and check out their exclusive packages over at netregistry.com.au forward slash Timbo and... Also, we're made possible by this wonderful entrepreneurial program that I've done, and I reckon you should too. It's called Key Person of Influence. Wacky name, I know, but a really amazing program. Uh, If you want to be more visible, valued, and connected in your industry team, I would consider going to one of their upcoming live events, which I'll be attending more on them later, but you can check them out at keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo. Hey, as per usual, Marketing, G-O-L-D, dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Do you need a speaker for your next conference? Recommend Timbo to your event organiser. Or better still, book him. Tim Reed. that's R-E-I-D dot com dot A-U. So Harry Campbell, the rideshare guy, coming up very shortly. But my book's here. Yeah, it's here. The boomerang effect. Oh, man. So excited. You can buy it now. It's selling like hotcakes. I'm happy about that. Conference organisers are buying it. You can buy it on my website, smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. You'll see a photo of the yellow cover. But here's the thing. The boomerang effect is a very simple marketing concept that I've come up with, which says, hey, listen, the more you put into your marketing, it will return multiples. Yeah? Yeah. And helpful marketing is the way to do it. And I explain exactly how that works. Lots of case studies of real-life businesses that are benefiting from sharing their knowledge and seeing it return in multiples in terms of inquiry, more business, more money. 
That's what the Boomerang Effect's all about. You can go over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com and purchase a copy if you would like. Hey, um, big news for my speaking career. I hope you're interested. I'm excited by it, and it's a wonderful connection with small to medium businesses all over Australia. I will be emceeing the Telstra Business Awards for 2016. Now, these are very prestigious awards, if you didn't know already. They're in their 24th year, and what they do is they celebrate the achievements and entrepreneurial spirit of Australia's most brilliant small and medium-sized businesses. That's what we do on this show. So I'm excited to be able to meet all these wonderful business owners, the award winners, and be the MC on the night. It's in eight cities throughout July, and it culminates in the National Awards in August. And uh, I'm just so excited to be emceeing it. Past winners, businesses like Mile, Blue Steel Boots, Bike Exchange, and even past guests and future guests have been winners of the Telstra Awards. Tony Nash of Booktopia, who's coming up uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Tina Tower from Begin Bright. That was a great interview. I'll put a link in the show notes to that. But um, very excited to be emceeing these awards. You can check them out. Go over to telstrabusinessawards.com and you'll find out what they are all about. Maybe, maybe even enter them. Okay. Speaking of successful businesses... This fellow, Harry Campbell, the rideshare guy. So here is the thing. He's an Uber driver based in LA who now runs a blog and a podcast for Uber drivers. So quite interesting in the fact that he's kind of put his hand up and said, you know what, I'm going to be the key person of influence in my industry. Six months ago, he took a rather large leap of faith. He quit his six-figure day job as, as I said earlier, an aerospace engineer at Boeing. Hey, I don't even know what they do, but gee, it sounds important. Yeah, so he quit to focus his entire energies full-time on this business he calls the Ride Share Guy. He says in, in the last six months since he quit, he's been able to grow his business by 500%, and he's glad to say that he makes more from blogging and Uber driving than he did as an engineer at Boeing. Last month, the site had nearly 500,000 page views over at therideshareguy.com. Maybe they just didn't pay a lot at Boeing. I don't know. Should have asked him. But he's making a lot more now. I would have imagined an aerospace engineer would make a a decent coin. I think you're going to love this chat. Harry explains how he achieved meteoric success, the importance of creating helpful content, which he's very good at. I might have to include him in my next book, The Boomerang Effect Part 2. Oh, gosh. Um, He talks about the excitement of having a side hustle. If you don't know what that is, stay tuned because it's an interesting way to earn a few extra coins. Plus, he he shares where he thinks Uber's going. I started off by asking Harry to share his strangest story as an Uber driver. (laughs) All right. Well, actually, the first one that comes to mind is uh, one that happened uh, somewhat recently, a few months ago, but uh, it was basically me at a stoplight with a guy in the back of my car. And uh, before I knew it, he was <laughs> sitting in the back seat uh, naked. And then he got out, got out of the car, walked around the car like it was, not, you know, like he was super casual and then just got back in and sat down, didn't say a word. And he was by himself, mind you. So it was a pretty strange situation. I think it had to be some type of dare or something like that. I kind of like joked about it later, but I didn't want to really dig into what, ha- what had just happened, but it was definitely pretty 
pretty weird. <laughs> that is a classic. That was actually me. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he hopped back in, in your car uh, naked. Yeah, we were just like pulled up at a, a red light and he like, I didn't even really realize what he was doing. He just said like, be right back. And then he just like walked around the car like it was nothing. And obviously this was at night. I yeah. mean, he'd probably been drinking and I think his friends had like dared him or something because it was a pretty short ride. <laughs> yeah, right. It was like from one bar to this guy's house. And uh, I think that it was probably like some dare or something. He must have lost a bet or something like that. But it was just funny because he didn't warn me at all. Yeah, he right. just went out and did it. And then we kind of didn't really talk about it after. As, as someone who speaks at a lot of conferences and who has a lot of friends who are who are speakers, we often say, you mm. know, there's a book we could write about the stories that we kind of, the things that happened to us on the road. And I imagine yep. that you would be the same. You could get together with a bunch of other Uber drivers and, and it would be quite an interesting book. <laughs> oh, we could definitely, uh, you know, it's funny too because, I mean, obviously most rides don't, nothing remotely close to that like that happens mm-hmm. right most rides go off without a hitch are very normal but it's like that one percent or that point one percent and if you do enough rides you're kind of bound to come up on something weird and generally it's something weird <laughs> to be honest they're the reasons we keep coming back to do what we do you know it keeps life yep, interesting exactly. so tell me how did the ride share guy come about definitely so i mean it came about because i actually started driving for uber and lyft so i was a full-time aerospace engineer working a day job nine to five and uh, I started driving for Uber and Lyft on the side and pretty quickly realized that there was just this huge void of information. I mean, I had all these Hold questions and I was Googling Hold that it. thought. You're yeah. already going down a rabbit hole that I want to go down shortly, but you, you were not only, you were an aerospace engineer with, with uh, Boeing. So yeah, a serious I job. Why? Serious job. Serious stuff. Serious, serious <laughs> stuff. So uh, almost answers the question, but why did you go, oh, well, I'm I'm not busy enough. I'm not making enough money. I think I'll start driving Ubers. Yeah. I mean, it definitely wasn't, I mean, the money was a big reason, but at the same time, I've just kind of always had a, that kind of entrepreneurial itch, but more so it's just learning about new industries and trying new things. I mean, I didn't go out and become an Uber driver because I wanted to start a blog. I just heard that people were making money and it seemed fun and it seemed cool. And it was a pretty low risk investment on my part. So I just decided to go out and do it. So, so tell me about your life as an aeronautical engineer at Boeing. Were you, what are you, you are you a single guy? Your nights are free? You were looking for, <laughs> yeah, like, what, what, still, no, still I don't understand well, why. It's, it's a funny story because I actually am married and I was married at the time, but my wife is in medical school, so she's quite busy. And I often joke with my friends, like, I'm married, but I have a lot of free time. Right? My <laughs> wife doesn't. Yeah, right. You know, a lot of couples will say, oh, you got to come do this with me. You got to come do that with me. It's generally like my wife, oh, I got to study or, oh, I got to work. So for me, I've always uh, had a little bit of extra free time, which, you know, we still get to spend plenty of time together. But at the same time, I have a little extra free time. And instead of kind of watching TV on the couch or just, you know, browsing online on Google or whatever and Facebook, I kind of try to find something to occupy my time that's kind of a value or, you know, a hobby that might make a couple bucks or something like that. And and had you driven cabs before, or had you done anything like oh, no, this? Definitely not. <laughs> I mean, I had driven before. <laughs> I had driven a car before, and obviously yeah. here in the U.S., I mean, most people get their license around the age of sixteen, and so I got my license when I was sixteen and had my first car, my grandma's old car. So I've been driving that around, but I was by no means a professional driver, or you know, probably not even the greatest driver on earth either. But it was hmm. it was something that you can pick up pretty quickly and pretty easily. So you're. You're at Boeing, you're doing Mm -hmm. whatever you do, you know, aeronautical engineer type stuff, you're driving Ubers at night, 
Yeah. What happens? <laughs> what happened from there? Or what yeah. happened? How I started the blog? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, well. Specifically, you say here. Uh, six months ago, I actually took a huge leap of faith and quit my day job as an aerospace yeah. engineer. So, what? enabled you to leave, I'm guessing, a pretty high-paying job, relatively secure, as, as secure as a job like that can be. Definitely. Yeah, and I think that's that's definitely, I mean, I wasn't, you know, as an engineer, you're always well-paid, but you're not exactly, you know, living the millionaire lifestyle. <laughs> but it's definitely, it's secure and you're making good money enough to provide a comfortable living for your family. For me, it was really that I started to see that my blog was getting some traction. It was about a year um, you know, I, I basically worked my day job and my blog, my ride, the rideshare guy on the side for about uh-huh. a year on top of my day job. And so okay. I was really building up a ton of traction and trying to get as much traffic to the site and, you know, figure all the monetization and backend stuff. And that's kind of when it really hit me that I could potentially leave my day job and gotcha. do this full time. All right. So let's rewind then. So you're, you're driving Ubers, you're at Boeing, mm-hmm. and then you start this blog. Why did you start the blog and what, what's it all about? Yeah. I mean, so basically... When I first got started as drive as a driver, I had a lot of questions, right? Like any good student and anyone who wants to learn about a new industry, I went straight to Google. I went straight to see if there were forums or Reddit threads or anything like that where I could just learn from people who were who knew more than me, right? Who had been doing it for a while. And I couldn't find much. I couldn't find any blogs. I couldn't find any podcasts. I'm a big podcast listener. I'm always looking for new podcasts. That's actually how I found yours, probably in the iTunes store. And, uh, you know, I couldn't find any information. And for me, it just kind of clicked in my head that, hey, there's this huge opportunity to create uh, information about what it's like to be a driver, to handle all of these policy issues like insurance and taxes. And then what really started to make my blog take off was when I started talking about how much money I was making. And Tim, if you haven't realized this by now, people care a lot about how much money they're making. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And all of my articles were, and you know, I had this engineering background, so I was making these pretty detailed spreadsheets that kind of calculated by the minute, you know, when I was sitting without a passenger, when I was sitting with a passenger and just doing a lot of analysis and trying to figure out, all right, these are the times when I'm getting paid. How do I maximize those? And how do I minimize the times where I'm not getting paid? And people started to really like that. And that's kind of when I realized that, hey, I have have a little uh, something here. And so that's kind of when I started doing more work and really kind of covering all different aspects of the industry. So that's, Hmm. you know, my site has evolved to this day and now it does something a little different. But when I was first getting started, it was really just detailing my personal experience as a driver and laying out the facts though, right? Providing pay statements, providing numbers, Hmm. um, providing detailed analysis, like this is how much you're actually going to make because I just did it for six hours on a Saturday night. (laughs) I love it. It's a great story and evolved to a great blog and business, which I want to dissect further. I am interested uh, in when you made that leap. <laughs> well, here we go. Uh, your boss at Boeing, you walk into his or her office and say, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, it's, Uber, it's Uber for me. None of this Boeing stuff. <laughs> How was that? How was that I mean, meeting? I mean, honestly, I think I'd say you know I worked with a much older crowd. I would bet I would bet <laughs> that about ninety percent of the people when they found out that I was leaving, I think they probably left. Or they probably believe that I left to go be an Uber driver, right? Um, which is obviously not the case. Pretty far from the truth. I mean, I left to do my blog and yep. you know basically work as an online entrepreneur full time. Yeah. And I think that when I told my boss that he wasn't 
shocked or surprised, but he said, all right, well, I understand. And, uh, you know, if, if you want to come back, just let me know. And oh, right nice. when he said that, I said, hey, that, well, at least I have a backup plan now if, uh, yeah. you know, if stuff hits the fan. <laughs> uh, and clearly your wife, very supportive. I mean, I would say, to be honest, it was surprising. I would say my family, my mom and my dad were very supportive right from the start. Nice. And my wife, she wasn't not supportive, but she was just worried. I mean, kind of natural. You know, she had all of the typical reactions that you might expect, right? You have this well secure, secure job, mm-hmm. and I'm in school, not making any money. You're mm-hmm. paying for our housing, for our food, and I think over time, as I kind of started to show that, hey, I'm getting a little traction on my site. I'm starting to make a little bit of money here and there, and you know, I've always been a very good saver. So we did. You know, it wasn't like I went you know, into this and went, left my full-time job without a backup plan, without savings, without investments. So I think that, you know, I worked for six, six years, uh, full-time as an engineer. And I had a lot of side hustles along the way that brought in extra income. And so I think that we were pretty, you know, we were doing very well financially at the time when I left. So it wasn't like a, a huge, huge, huge risk. Tell me about the side hustles. Cause I know there's a lot of people listening who, you know, I have this weird mix of listeners, and that's a terrible thing to say about my listeners, Harry. But they're not weird, <laughs> but you know what I mean. They know what I mean. There is Very a mix diverse. of um, business owners and entrepreneurs who have made the leap, like you have, and then there's a whole lot of yeah. people stuck in cubicles who are wanting to make the leap. Um, these little side hustles are interesting. Uh, what are we talking? Little eBay businesses here or, you know, the, the odd garage sale there? I mean, honestly, I've really ranged the gamut, but one <laughs> kind of common theme, and I'll share a few that were yeah. somewhat unique. I mean, one common theme that I found with all my side hustles is they were things that I was often passionate about because I think a lot of people go into like side hustles or making money online and that's the number one goal, right? Mm-hmm. It's just to make money or to just provide more income or whatever it is. And I think that there are a lot of opportunities for business and passion to align. And mm-hmm. that's kind of all always what I've looked for. I mean, you know, when I was uh, working, also when I was working for Boeing, um, before I started this blog and uh, when I was living down in San Diego, I actually was a big San Diego Chargers fan, which is the football, the local football team. And I discovered that every year, I mean, I've been following them for like five or 10 years. And every year they would really poorly at the beginning of the season, ticket prices would drop because no one wanted to go watch a team that sucked. <laughs> and then at the end of the year, they would come on strong. And every year this was happening over and over. So my friends and I, we started buying tickets at the beginning of the year after they lost a few games. We would buy playoff tickets. We would buy everything. And then towards the end of the year when they started doing well, we started reselling them for double and sometimes triple the price. Love it. So you're gambling. Yeah. I mean, it was funny because it literally, it worked every year. It worked year in and year out and we kept doing it. We, I mean, at one point, at one season, I think I bought 40 or 50 tickets and, you know, American football tickets are pretty expensive. They're usually a hundred bucks or more per seat. Yeah, right. And that's face value. When you resell them, obviously you can get double or triple for the big game. So I was doing stuff like that. And, you know, another one that's a little bit more traditional is, so I was, uh, I played volleyball in college. And uh, when I got out of, out of school, I, you know, got out of shape also and yeah, couldn't yeah. quite, uh, you know, I wasn't in nearly as good shape once I started working, but I started coaching volleyball on the side and it filled that volleyball itch where I could still get to coach and have that competitive side, even though I was no longer at really at the top of my game yeah, right. and I could still coach. And I mean, frankly, the income was pretty good. Um, I made pretty good side income doing that on top of my day job and it Honestly, I would have done it for free. It didn't feel like work at all. Hey, listeners, I'm chatting with LA-based rideshare guy, Harry Campbell. Before I ask Harry how he increased his business by 500%, 
in his first six months, here's a word from a couple of sponsors that want to help grow yours. This show is made possible by Key Person of Influence, which according to the Huffington Post is the world's leading brand accelerator program. Now, they've got some very cool one-day events coming up with some amazing speakers. So I asked head honcho Glenn Carlson to pick his favourite. His answer may well surprise you. That's horrible, mate. Um, I'm going to have to say, while there's Matthew, who's built you know, the third fastest growing company in Australia, sold it for tens of millions. Valerie is obviously one of the best content creators in Australia, talking about profile. Tim, you know, his company's built over a billion dollars worth of value in his clients. Andrew Griffiths, 12 best-selling books. But, mate, I'm the MC. I'm the one that brings it all together. So, you know, despite all these amazing speakers that have got incredible tenure in their space, I'm going to I'm gonna say my favourite's got to be me. Oh, you got to love a big cheese that backs himself. All jokes aside, do your business a favour and grab a $57 seat over at keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo. Support for this show comes from NetRegistry, a one-stop shop for getting your online marketing sorted. Verity Ma, their chief marketing officer, recently told me this story of a very happy mechanic. So one of my favourite stories of customers that I heard was a salesperson was talking to a mechanic and he was talking about what sort of email he would like to have and what kind of hosting, whether he wants cloud or cPanel hosting. And the mechanic just said, look, I don't care, build my website, here's my phone number, make my phone ring and send me the bill. And that was the last we heard of him. He didn't provide us content. He didn't provide us any details about his business. We had his contact details. We wrote all the content and we just got his phone ringing and sent him the bell. Net Registry, where happy mechanics go to grow their business online. Visit netregistry.com.au or give them a buzz on 1300 638 734 and tell them Timbo sent you. Now, Harry, you say you grew your business 500% in the six months since quitting. What do you put that down to? Well, honestly, it's not just one thing. I can't, Unfortunately, I don't have like a get rich quick secret or I can't really point to one thing. But I do think that there are a couple major factors that really helped me out along the way. And I think it's the first one I think is kind of one that isn't easy to track. And it's one that often goes unrecognized. And it sounds a little cheesy to be honest, but it's really like building a community with my drivers. I mean, I made it very clear from the beginning. I put my face all over my site. I put my face on the Facebook page. I want people to associate with me, Harry, the rideshare guy, right? Not some company or not some entity because I want to be able to provide the service to all these drivers. Mm. And frankly, a lot of drivers, when they email Uber or when they email Lyft for help, they weren't getting very good customer customer service, basically, right? Responses. They weren't getting their questions answered. And I mean, even to this day, my site had 500,000 page views last month. I still respond to each and every single email that I get personally. I don't have a virtual assistant or anything doing that. And it takes a lot of time and I spend a lot of time doing email communication, social media and things like that. But I think it wow. establishes a really unique bond. Like obviously you have to have the content to back it up, right? And I think that I was doing a great job of producing all this high quality content, but obviously you want other people to share it and you want people to tell your friends about it. And so really what I call, call that is the word of mouth marketing, right? Mm-hmm. I was developing this relationship with it's all a, my readers. It's actually word of mouth marketing. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, where they felt, you know, they all felt like they knew me and they felt like, you know, they were a part of the site and they were a part of this community. And I mean, I was getting emails from drivers during that six months where they were telling me, hey, I'm going out to the airport lots where a lot of Uber drivers hang out and I'm printing out your articles, right? You know, with a printer, right? <laughs> I don't even own a printer anymore, I think. And uh, they're passing them out to other drivers and other drivers are saying, hey, you know, I love your blog. I just listened to every podcast from the beginning, one to episode 45. And so it was really kind of like that word of mouth where I kind of established this relationship with a lot of drivers and worked hard at responding to every email that I got. And I think it's hard to track kind of a return on your investment on that side. But I know for a fact that that's helped me huge. That's helped me big time, right? I know a lot of drivers are telling other drivers about it. And frankly, it's been hard. I mean, it's hard to respond to all those emails and it's hard to provide really good support. And it might not be scalable forever, but for now, it's still something that I even do to this day. Put some numbers around where you're at in terms of hours spent replying, number of emails, even any any kind of dollar figures. Well, you, you publish your, dollar, your, your income. So where are you at with it all? Yeah, definitely. So luckily I use a cool app called Rescue Time. Yeah. And it tracks all of my time spent and syncs across my phone and my laptop. So basically anytime I'm doing work, it knows. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of categorizes what I'm working on. So right now, as we're speaking, that was kind of my little delay so I could pull it up and give you exact figures <laughs> because I don't want to just make these up. And, uh, you know, so I can tell you, basically, I spend 47% of my time on communication and scheduling. And that's going to be things like email, um, voice calls, and voice calls, basically, right? So, you know, phone calls are a lot. I don't really take phone calls with my readers. So that's a lot more with my team and mm-hmm. with reporters and people like that. But emails, I mean, so you can kind of see that, you know, over half, you know, over a quarter of my time, basically, I spend replying to emails. And that's 90% of uh, those are driver emails, people that are emailing me with questions. And often, a lot of times, I'll just send them a link to an article I've done in the past that answers their question exactly, because that's how I craft a lot of my content, what people are asking for, what people are searching for. I go out and create content around that that's really good. So then when they ask me about it, I give them a quick one or two sentence email, but then I link to my article that explains exactly what they need. Nothing more powerful than being able to do that, to be able to say, hey, listen, I've actually created a piece of helpful content that answers your question in detail. Here it is. I think you're a rock star. (laughs) <laughs> no, you know, what's been really surprising is that people will, I get, I also get a couple other emails. People will say, I know, I know that you've covered this. I just can't find it. It's yeah. people who, you know, they almost, they know that I've covered like every topic in the book. And so they come to me anytime they have a question. Right. And then there's also the people who, you know, frankly, like they'll ask a question that they can't find anywhere else. And then within, you know, one day I send them back an email to an article or a podcast mm. or a YouTube video and it answers their question exactly because I spend a lot of time too creating the content content or working with my team of writers to create the content. And so that not only are they getting the response they need, but the information they're getting is also really good too, which is probably the second, second, (laughs) if not the first most important part. So 47% responding and on phone calls and emails, rest of your time. Mm -hmm. 
And then the rest of my time I spend, uh, well, so I spend about 10% of my time on social media. And the way that I operate is probably something that a lot of, you know, more, you know, I actually learn from my day job because believe it or not, I picked up a lot of efficiency tricks and hacks, I guess you would call them from my day job. And, you know, one thing that I really try to do is batch process. So that's a term that you're probably familiar with. And if your listeners aren't, it basically means, you know, instead of replying to 10 emails, over the course of a day, I sit down at the end of the day and do all 10 emails at once. Mm -hmm. Now, it'd be amazing if I only got 10 emails, but it's usually more like 100. I'll reply to 100 in the morning and 100 at night. But throughout the day, I don't really check my email, right? I'm not responding to emails throughout the day unless it's someone very important like you. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) But... uh, you know, yeah, so that's okay. what I really try to do, especially with social media. And that's one area that people I know can get really easily sucked into. Oh, yeah. And it's hard to see a real return on your time because people, you know, people don't always necessarily expect a reply on social media. And I don't reply to every comment or every tweet I get on social media, but I do go in at the beginning, sometimes middle and end of the day and spend 15 to 20 minutes during each period and just batch process all my Facebook, uh, tw- all my Facebook comments on my Facebook page and all of my uh, my Twitter interactions, basically. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You mate, you are such an engineer. Hey, what do they say? You can <laughs> take know. the engineer out of engineering but not do something like that. But you, you, you're applying the disciplines that you, you learned in all that time in Boeing, which is fantastic and we can learn so much from, yeah, because otherwise yeah. we can be completely distracted and time all of a sudden, you know, where those three hours go. Um, Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the rest of my time is really primarily spent on, you know, it's shifted a little bit. When I was first getting started, I didn't spend obviously nearly as much time on this stuff because that wasn't my core product. I think the, you know, one mistake I see people make a lot is that they're not spending a majority of their time on their core product. My core product, especially at the beginning when I was trying to get traction, was creating content. So I was spending all of my time creating content and all of my time trying to get that content out there. So that's kind of you know one thing that I've learned and also something that's evolved a little bit as my site has gotten bigger. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so in terms of um, revenue, can you share that? Yeah, definitely. What would you like to know? I have quite a diverse uh, sources of income at this point, and it's probably grown since I emailed you too. <laughs> yeah, really? Because that's interesting in itself. So if you could put, like, what are your your top, I'm sure there's some kind of 80-20 rule applies, but what's your top three to five sources of revenue and how yeah, much is definitely. it? So I'd say, you know, the number one source of income for me right now is basically advertising. So breaking that down a little further, it's lead generation for all of these companies that need drivers, right? So in the US, we I've, everyone's heard of Uber by now, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, in the US, we also have another company called Lyft. That's a $6 billion company. <laughs> um, you know, Uber is a $63 billion company. Lyft is right there, but, you know, smaller, but kind of in second place. And then there's also a couple food delivery services in the US called Postmates and DoorDash that basically do on-demand food delivery from restaurants or fast food, McDonald's, type places. And so I basically promote those services as like a typical affiliate or referral program. And all I do is really, you know, I'll write articles about it or I'll have banner ads on my site and it's just straight lead gen. When someone signs up using one of my links to uh, become a driver for any of those services, I get paid anywhere from 50, 25 bucks to a few hundred dollars. So those can be quite lucrative and those often make up, it varies a little, but I'd say pretty consistently about five to $10,000 a month in income. Um, And then I've also really, you know, one thing that 
when I, when I was first starting my site, I didn't really focus on monetization. I took all the low-hanging fruits. If someone emailed me and said, hey, we want to give you money for this, I made it really easy for them to give me money. But I wasn't actively seeking, you know, trying to convince people to give me money. I was focused on building my audience and mm-hmm. growing my, my site. And in the past year, especially, I've sort of turned to the monetization. And now I'm targeting any advertisers who want to target on-demand workers or independent workers, right? Um, Mm -hmm. All of these drivers have to go and file special taxes. They need to track their income and expenses. So I work with a lot of companies directly who do that. And, you know, that could be anywhere in the three to $5,000 a month range from a multitude of partners. And then I also obviously have traditional like Google AdSense ads. And um, I actually even recently created a video training course about six months ago. So if anyone's interested in becoming a driver, um, I actually have a course that basically takes everything I've learned about the industry, everything I've written about, everything I've podcasted about, everything I've YouTube videoed about, and puts it into a pretty neat online kind of marketing type, you know, course, a package that lets walks them through from just getting started to who should they drive for to even more advanced strategies, like, you know, basically figuring out how to make the most money in the least amount of time type stuff. So it's, I've definitely branched out, you know, and tried to diversify my income and, you know, really, you know, I don't want to be dependent on mm-hmm. one source kind of like any good business owner the video course is a great play because you're getting 100 percent of sales there whereas you are not getting 100 percent of sales necessarily in affiliates or or advertising yep. but um you i love the diversification and you know you, you enter these things you know i'm sure when you left boeing and really leaned into the rideshare guy concept that you probably didn't realize that there'd be all these multitude of revenue streams that would happen it happened in my business where you know yeah. podcasting start this podcast started to get traction and then all of a sudden you know, I started a forum, I started speaking, mm-hmm. um, and all these other revenue channels start. You know, you get sponsors. I've got, you know, it's wonderful. People, yeah. you, you can tell people this, but until they actually experience <laughs> it themselves, they kind of look at you strangely. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like touching on the point I made earlier, why it's so difficult. If you go into something with your sole intention to make money is you... I mean, I didn't know how I was going to make money, to be mm. honest, when I started this site. I just knew that, hey, if I gained enough of a following and built up enough traction, there are going to be monetization opportunities down the road. I mean, my core product right now is creating content, right? I'm doing four articles a week and I have a team uh, that's helping me now, but I do four articles a week, two YouTube videos a week and one podcast every two weeks. But I don't get paid directly off of doing any of that mm-hmm. content, right? It's all from working with advertisers. It's all from doing lead generation type opportunities. And so I think that's kind of where it's interesting because there's been so many opportunities that have popped up. I mean, one that I didn't even mention that's been growing really rapidly lately is um, in the US, actually, drivers need a special endorsement to their insurance that costs about 5 to 10% more. And we actually created a resource that breaks it down by state, which companies you can go and get a quote with. And we started getting inquiries from individual agents who wanted nice. to be listed on that page. And we started charging them anywhere from 100 to two or 300 bucks a month. We've now got 15 or 16 agents signed up. I have a guy that manages the whole entire process. And I think it brings in 2000 or $2,500 a month in revenue. And it's also a really great resource for drivers because they can go there. And these are agents that we've vetted, that we've talked to on the phone, that you know we've done all the Google search. And if we get any complaints, you know we immediately remove them. And so these are agents that you can, you know, basically that, 
that all of my readers can trust. And that was one that I literally just stumbled upon because someone emailed me and said, we want to give you money to be on this page of your site. And I said, sure, let's make it happen. Love that. (laughs) I love that those opportunities come along. So... Like I said, if someone wants to give me money, I'm really good at saying yes. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk, you know, I'm massive. All my listeners know that I'm all about creating helpful content in the form of podcasts mm-hmm. or blogs or videos or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Easier said than done because Definitely. all of a sudden the business owner listening goes, wow, that just seems mammoth. You seem to have a nice flow happening. Can you kind of mm-hmm. just give us the bird's eye overview of your content creation strategy? Yeah. Definitely. And I mean, I think creating content is something that I honestly is my favorite part of the business right Mm. now going forward. I'm focusing most of my time on creating content and running the business side of things. And because that's like really what I enjoy most. So I've been really trying to focus on those two things and hire other people to do everything else that I don't like. Right. Um, You know, what I do as far as creating content, I think that one of the big things for me when I was first getting started was just to talk about things from firsthand experience. So when I was first getting started as a driver, I was reading all these articles about what it was like to be a driver or you know, the few that I could find because there weren't a lot of articles out there and that's why I started my site. But the few that I could find, they just didn't seem to tell the whole story, right? They would say, hey, you know, I've actually never been... You know, The articles I was reading would say things like, oh, I went out and drove one night or, you know, I did this for a week and I didn't really enjoy it or I really enjoyed it. And then there are also all these articles that were kind of overselling it and saying how amazing it was because they would get a referral bonus, a little kickback from signing up drivers, right? So it was just all of this content that wasn't very authentic and wasn't very detailed. So for me, I went out with the approach that, hey, I'm going to detail my experience from firsthand knowledge, right? And that was one of the things that was really important to me that how am I going to be able to write about how to be a really good Uber driver if I'm not out there doing it myself all the time? And I mean, this stuff isn't rocket science. So it's not like you need to go out and do it 50 hours a week to be able which, to write about pity, it. Which is a pity because you're a rocket scientist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish it was a little more complex. Yeah. That might give me a leg up. But I think, you know, people are people are getting really smart these days, right? That are reading content. They want content that they can't get elsewhere. And so that's for me, you know, now that there is more competition and there are other bloggers creating content about driving, I still look at it like, hey, I'm not, you know, every article that I write, I'm not going to just give them like a bird's eye view. I'm going to go and say not only, you know, if I'm going to recommend an app, I'm going to say, hey, here's a cool app that I that I found and here's how you can use it to make more money. Really, like what I call it is taking your content to the next level mm-hmm. because you have to almost have this like really, you know, I'm a very competitive person by nature, but I'm also very collaborative. Anyone who emails me to work with me or, you know, I always try to find ways to work with people. So I don't necessarily look at other bloggers as competition. I look at them as like a collaboration opportunity because I know that, hey, if I work with this one guy and or if I work with a hundred of these bloggers, there's no way that that one blogger I work with is going to go out and work with these hundred other bloggers, mm. right? Like I'm willing to outwork them is kind of what I say. Yeah, right. And so, you know, if I reach out to a hundred bloggers about a, a link exchange or whatever it is, right, they might, that individual might get a better deal. But if I do it a hundred times, I know the other person individually isn't willing to do that. So that's kind of the same approach I take with my content is really just taking it to the next level and basing it off firsthand experience, seeing what people are asking about. And, you know, it, it's, it's all, that's, you know, right I'm always there, though. experimenting yeah, with this seeing stuff. What yeah. people are, seeing what people are asking about. I mean, that's massive. It's, you know, that just rolled off your tongue. But if yeah. we as business owners, and I say to my listeners, have your marketing radar 
radar on. As of right now, carry a notepad and pen or use Evernote, the, the app Evernote, yep. and, and listen to what people are asking you. Because if one person's asking you, generally speaking, there's probably 10, 20, 30 thinking it, right? So Definitely. go and create a piece of content that's better than all the other bits of content out there, therein lies the challenge, that answers that question and start to yeah. share it. It'll get it'll, Google will pick it up because it's helpful, uh, but start to share it. E- email it directly to people and, and – that's that's where the magic is. Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's funny that you kind of brought that up because at this point, it's almost like second nature to me, right? Like mm. I don't even think about it. I just say, oh yeah, people are asking about it. Obviously, I'm going to write about it, right? But obviously, you know, not everyone thinks about it that way. And I've actually never had a problem coming up with content. No. Um, because there are a lot of strategies, you know, that people will use when they're first getting started. They Google and see, hey, what are people asking about? I want to answer those questions. If you have a following, you can see what people are emailing you about and create mm-hmm. content around that. For me, I've actually never sat down at my computer and said, what am I going to write about today? I have about 100 ideas in Evernote (laughs) just waiting to be written. Who hasn't? (laughs) So, um, okay. So just in terms of just finishing that content creation discussion, you obviously got a team of writers. Uh, You're Mm -hmm. doing, basically what you do is you identify the topics uh, that need Mm -hmm. answering, the questions that need answering. You either go ahead and record a podcast, so some audio, you do a video, uh, or you set the task with one of your writers to go and write a blog post. Is that kind of how it works? Yep. Generally, I, since I've never had a problem thinking up ideas, I'm always, you know, whether I'm out, I get a lot of ideas when I'm out driving for Uber. So I still do that to come up with ideas, interacting. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of one of the things for me that obviously the blog is full time for me now, but I think kind of, you know, what made my blog so successful in the beginning was that I was a driver, right? So it's kind of like, you got to still go out there and do it if you're going to be telling people how to do it. (laughs) Uh, Well, I was was going to ask you about that because you can't really lose that. I mean, that would, you know, it's going to damage you. Well, it may be, it would dent your credibility if, you know, a year down the track, you've become so successful as the rideshare guy that you haven't got time to be the rideshare driver, you know, and, um, you know, the market will change and people will be talking, you know, so you're great. You're keeping your kind of ear to the ground and um, continue to operate from experience. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I've actually sourced all of my writers from my reader base. And that's one thing that people always ask me, how do I find my writers? And I'm always looking for just interesting topics, right? It could be a comment. It could be a Facebook post. It could be a tweet, an email, anything, anything that's interesting. And it's not necessarily people are pitching me stuff to write about. It's just they're telling me about something that's happening. And I say, hey, do you want to write a guest post? Here are my guidelines and here are some samples of ones I've published in the past. And sometimes they're really good and sometimes they really suck yeah, but yeah. i'm you know i'm able to basic you know because it's important to me to find you know i kind of find drivers and turn them into writers so you know because then they can write from that firsthand experience they know what it's like to be a driver and that's one thing that i think has gone really well because some of my authors today some of my writers are some of my best you know they're producing some of the best articles on the site and I got to stay on top of my game to make sure that they don't become better than me, right? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I want to take the discussion, Harry, just into other industries now because what I like about what you've done is, I mean, your timing was wonderful because obviously at the point when you started the Rideshare Guy, there wasn't anyone else who was offering the depth of, of content uh, to Uber drivers and to Lyft drivers. So, you know, you, first to market, 
and the rest is history. Now there's people yeah. coming up behind you. I, I think it's really interesting the idea of no matter what you are, whether you're a vet or a plumber or an architect, there is an I still think, certainly in Australia, and, and I'm sure it's no mm-hmm. different in America or other countries, the opportunity to put your hand up and be the vet guy or the plumber guy um, and start to be responsible for curating and creating the best quality content for other people in your industry to benefit from. Do you, do you agree with yeah, that? Yeah, I mean... Honestly, I think that, you know, a lot of people look at industries and say, oh, there's already people doing it. I think there's just, there's all, you, you, there's always like a little bit uh, of more room, right? I guess there's always. like always room for more opportunity, right? Mate, you, if there, we took that always... attitude, if we took the attitude that, oh, there's someone doing it, it's already being done. Yeah. We, you wouldn't do anything. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I think that, you know, one tip that I would give is that if you kind of, you know, because I, I know from my experience of going out there and starting it, I got really lucky. I was one of the first ones to start doing this. Mm-hmm. So I had a big advantage there. But at the same time, I think there's almost just as much opportunity for someone to come in and start a very similar site but with maybe a different angle, right? Maybe a more specific niche, right? So I think there's, you know, it's kind of finding that right balance of the right niche um, and, you know, having lower competition. Because if you go out right now and try to, you're really passionate about personal finance and you try to start a personal finance blog, you're going to have a ton of competition. It's going to be really hard to stand out. But there are a couple examples of, you know, I I actually own a personal finance blog, so I can use this (laughs) example, um, you know, there are a couple blogs. One of my friends has a blog that focuses on doctors, right? So it's a personal finance blog for doctors. And it, he only started it a couple years ago. And I think he just published his income report. He's now making two or $300,000 a year mm-hmm. off of this, you know, probably what most people would have considered a very saturated niche that there's no more opportunity left. But he was a doctor and he had all these personal finance issues. So he kind of decided to start a blog about it, right? And so it's really crazy to see that no matter what industry, you know, you're passionate about, like, obviously, you can't just go and pick something randomly, but there are opportunities. And you kind of just have to be look constantly looking for them and constantly keeping your eye out for them. Because I think that, you know, no matter how, you know, no matter how many other people are doing it, there's always a different angle that you can take. And if you go and try to do the exact same thing as someone, yeah, in that case, you might not be able to have a super high chance of success. But I think that there's always different spins and always different angles that you always. can take. Absolutely. I think also there would be the benefit of actually being, having operated in that niche as well. It's yeah. already, yeah, I think that, you know, if you're a doctor and then all of a sudden you start becoming, you know, the doctor's doctor, that kind of makes sense versus someone yeah. who's never been a doctor is trying to create content for them. So, hey, um, is there a rideshare girl? <laughs> there isn't a rideshare girl, but that's a perfect example exactly. of uh, probably someone who could come and start a site and maybe try to, you know, work with me to, uh, you know, create that similar branding because, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of female rideshare drivers out there and there's probably some different issues that I haven't touched on that they probably could do a much better job than I do. Well, now one last thing about your marketing, Harry, which I think is very impressive is that you say you've been featured in hundreds of media outlets in the past 12 months, including Business Insider, New York Times, Wired magazine cnet the list goes on yeah how so the approach that i took with the media was i wasn't an expert i wasn't you know someone who knew exactly what i was doing 
But I think that I did a few unique things and it really started from establishing a relationship with a lot of these reporters because as someone, you know, I, I was working online. So I knew how many pitches I was getting every single day. I'm sure that you get a lot of pitches every day. Mm-hmm. And imagine how many pitches a reporter at a Forbes or at a New York Times gets every single day, yeah. <laughs> right? In the hundreds or in the thousands. So for me, instead of, you know, asking, you know, just sending a blanket email out to 50 reporters and asking for, hey, I have this site about Uber. If you do a story, link to me, right? Instead of asking anything like that, it was really about developing a relationship with a lot of these people. And it wasn't anything super complicated, right? I started off interacting with a lot of reporters on Twitter. Reporters love Twitter. Every single reporter is on Twitter and they all are active. They all check it, right? They like seeing, you know, I started featuring articles every week on my site and then having my virtual assistant go and tweet all of these authors and say, hey, your site was featured on the Rideshare Guide. Thanks for keeping us updated giving them a nice little ego boost, but also at the same time, putting my name in their head. Hey, who's this rideshare guy that's featuring me and no one else is doing this, right? Emailing them just to say, hey, if you have any questions about the industry, here's my email, here's my cell phone, call me, text me. I'm never sleep. I'm available at all times of the day. If you ever have a question about a story, whether it's late breaking or anything like that, and really just putting myself out there as a really trusted resource, it helped a lot that I was a driver myself Mm -hmm. because a lot of these reporters needed that perspective from drivers and they also needed someone who was somewhat credible and putting a website behind your name or a blog or a podcast or anything like that gives you a little bit of legitimacy and so it's really establishing a relationship with a lot of these reporters. I think a lot of people take the easy route and just reach out to reporters, send them an email, ask them to be featured or ask them to link to them and do things like that. And I kind of tried to take the almost the exact opposite approach <laughs> and target 10 or 20 reporters and spend a lot of time with them. And it ended up paying off. And um, you know, the first quote I ever got was in a Forbes article and it kind nice. of quickly snowballed from there. A lot of the reporters that I've been working with started using me and linking to me and a lot of their stories. I think you're also lucky because Uber is every second article in the paper at the moment, or certainly it, is over I here. I mean, it definitely it definitely helped that Uber was you know in the paper and in mm. articles all the time. But I mean, even at the same time, right? I obviously I did little things like I put six. You know, if you go to my site today, as soon as you go to my site, you'll see in the upper right hand corner Forbes, New York Times, BuzzFeed, CNET, and then you can actually click on all of those images and be taken to the articles where I was featured or where I was quoted. And I think when reporters, let's say they're Googling information for stories and there are a lot of Uber stories being written, they go, they find my site and they immediately see that, oh, New York Times has quoted this guy. He must be legit. I can reach out to him now. So it's really that snowball effect that even something like that, that's really small. I mean, who knows how many extra quotes that's gotten me. Oh, I look forward to the small business, big marketing shows logo being there next week. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, uh, just to finish up, Harry, uh, future of Uber. In a couple of sentences? I mean, honestly, I think that the future of Uber long-term is probably not the way we think of it today. Today, we think of it as an app that transports people from point A to point B, but I see it as much more of a logistics network. And I think that from a driver's point of view, you could be having a package in your trunk, a burrito in your front seat, and a couple passengers in the back. I mean, it's going to be transporting all sorts of people, services, and goods on a pretty cool, uh, you know, logistics network, because I think kind of... Uh, you know, once they can really tie all these different aspects of logistics and travel together, really, there's no stopping them. <laughs> can we expect to see uh, like Uber plumber, Uber lawnmower, Uber dentist? 
I mean, I think that with some of these services, they're a little bit more of a niche. They're a little bit more of a luxury. I don't know that a dentist is ever going to come out to your house for mm-hmm. the same price point, whereas you going to them. But I think that, you know, no, with you service, you know, one of the companies that advertises with me is an Uber for mechanics. They actually, you know, they'll come to your house and do oil changes and do brakes and things like that. And they don't have any of the overhead of a traditional shop. So it's actually mm-hmm. cheaper for them to come to you. So there's definitely some niches and some industries where the Uber for X might uh, might start popping up in Australia or the US or all around the world. Love it. Uh, listeners, you can find Harry's blog, his podcast, his video course over at therideshareguy.com. And Harry, I do love my listeners to hit my guests up on Twitter. What's your Twitter ID? Luckily, it's very easy, at the rideshare guy. Very clever. Harry, thanks for sharing, <laughs> mate. It's an interesting journey. I wish you all the luck in the future. Awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. It was a blast to talk all about Uber and everything I'm doing. Well, there you go, team. Harry Campbell, the rideshare guy. Hit him up on Twitter. Tell him you heard him on the show. And I now want to share my top six, not three, yeah, six attention grabbers from that little fireside chat with Harry. Thanks to the good folk at Key Person of Influence, who's one day brand accelerator, not to be missed. Grab a seat over at keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo. And these attention grabbers also brought to you by netregistry.com.au forward slash Timbo for three exclusive packages to help get your business found online. Because remember, you are who Google says you are. Oh, yes, indeedly doodly. Righto. Top six attention grabbers. Number one, put your face in your marketing. That doesn't mean you have to front all of your marketing, but at least let people see that you are a real person. And if you have a team, put them there as well. And if you're not a real person, I don't know, get a stock shot. Attention grabber number two, consider being the go-to person in your industry. I think this is a really interesting marketing strategy. If there's already one, think about what niche you could own within your industry or just do it better than they're doing it. Never go, oh, that's already been done. You know, if we took that attitude, we wouldn't start anything. So yeah, be a, be a key person of influence in your industry. That's what the KPI program is excellent at. Attention grabber number three, when creating helpful content, I love Harry's idea of talking about things from first-hand experience. And when you do it, be sure to tell your whole story and just do it better than everyone else. Put some personality into it. Remember uh, last week's episode with Julie Cross about putting personality into your marketing, owning your space. Hey, it's not that hard. Attention grabber number four, smash processes. I like that phrase Harry used. Do all your emails in one hit. Do all your social media in one hit. Make all your phone calls in one hit and make a game of it. Have fun with it. If you want to know how to do that, go back and listen to a chat I had with real estate agent of the year, James Tostevin. He makes 200 calls a week. He smashes process. I'll put a link in the show notes to that over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 299. Attention grabber number five. Have a side hustle, one that you're passionate about. What a great way to generate uh, more income beyond whatever you do during the day. It can be fun. Make it a hobby. It could be selling stuff on eBay. It could be podcasting on a topic you love and finding sponsors. I don't know. Side hustle, interesting concept. Play with it. Attention grabber number six, 
Oh, this one makes me laugh. Hit reporters up on Twitter. Hey? Last week's episode, you know when I got my nose out of joint? Not appearing in that newspaper article? Well, I hit that reporter up on Twitter. Told her I'd mentioned her in, in the episode. Haven't heard back yet. That's okay. She might smash process. She might do Twitter once a week. I don't know. But there are. There's a lot of journos on Twitter. So consider that if you want to get some earned media coverage. Hey, they're my top six attention grabbers. Thanks to key person of influence and net registry. What was yours? I'd love to know. Head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 299 and tell me. Dan Zarella of HubSpot once said, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction, (laughs) plus a social media overreaction. Ain't that the truth, hey? Social media overreaction. Imagine if we talked the way we wrote on social media. It's all a bit hyped over in that social media world sometimes, isn't it? Anyway, you know my thoughts on that. Hey, uh, I don't have a listener question this week, but I do want to encourage you to send me a question that I can answer and give your business some coverage on this show. Why wouldn't you want a bit of that? Then your business goes out to thousands of business owners all around the world. So thanks to everyone who has left a listener review on iTunes. But when you do, leave a marketing question as well by simply this four, these simple four steps. Go to iTunes, search for Small Business Big Marketing, hit Ratings and Reviews, then hit the Write a Review button, leave your review, leave a marketing question, I will share it on an upcoming show. Little bit of coverage for your business and no downside. Gotta love that. Righto. What do you think, team? We wrap things up? We've got work to do. We have got marketing to create. We have got businesses to build. So let's get stuck into it. There is, however, plenty of marketing gold coming your way in the weeks ahead. Next week, We're joined by Tony Nash. He is the founder of Booktopia, Australia's largest online bookstore. They sell a book every eight seconds. And he's a Telstra Business Award winner. Hey, that's good. Hey, don't forget to buy my book, The Boomerang Effect. Head over to uh, smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. You'll find a link to buying it. Hey, big love to both Net Registry and Key Person of Influence for making this show possible. Be sure to use Net Registry if you need a website or to get yours found over at netregistry.com.au forward slash Timbo. Grab a seat at the upcoming Key Person of Influence brand accelerator over at keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo. I'll be going. I'm going to the Melbourne one. So I'd love to say hello to you if you are there. I'll be the tall bloke in the, don't know, don't know what colour shirt I'll wear. I'll wear a pink shirt? Don't know. I'm tall. Hey, thanks to audio landscaper himself, Daryl Delirious Misson, for levelling me out. And to music man Lockie Dolly, for whom I am eternally envious. I so wish I could play an instrument, or at least sing. You can check him out over at LockieDolly.com. If you need a speaker for an upcoming event, timreid.com.au is where you'll find me. Until next week, my favourite motivated business owners, I'm Timbo Reid. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show. May your marketing be the best marketing Bye for now.